Last week's visit to China by U.S. Commerce Secretary Gino Raimondo left both sides cautiously optimistic. After meeting with the Chinese Commerce Minister, Premier, Vice Premier and Foreign Minister and others, Raimondo said she was hopeful about repairing bilateral relations. Chinese state media echoed her sentiment, and not without reason. Washington and Beijing agreed to launch a framework to exchange information on export control enforcement and a working group on commercial issues. Probably more important, they pledged to hold regular technical meetings concerning disputes over protecting trade secrets and sharing information on export controls. Of course, promises are just that, but reconciliation must start somewhere. A huge gap separates Washington and Beijing, and given the current state of the Chinese economy, the U.S. has the upper hand. Despite recent technological developments, China will likely need better relations with the U.S. if it is to solve its mounting economic and financial problems. This, in turn, will require some Chinese concessions and careful management of the domestic economy and politics. Security and self-sufficiency One area where China will likely have to bend is in its approach toward data regulation. In the past few years, Beijing has introduced several laws and bills that considerably restrict data privacy and security. The most recent proposal threatens steep financial penalties and even criminal charges against employers operating in China who violate rules against transferring employee or customer data out of the country. To legally transfer data to another country, companies must pass a security assessment conducted by China's Cyberspace Administration and satisfy a number of strict legal conditions. Further, the bill requires firms to classify business data according to its relevance to national security and the public interest. If the regulation is implemented, even long-standing processes will need to be analyzed and adjusted. Complicating matters even more, the wording of the legislation is vague enough that firms will have to decide for themselves how strictly to comply with it. Why Beijing believes that now is a good time to wage war on the private sector is the subject of much debate. Economic growth is lackluster, major Chinese companies are defaulting amid a collapsing real estate sector, youth unemployment is at record highs, and local government and private sector debt are soaring. Indeed, the Chinese Communist Party's focus may be on concealing the depths of its problems from the world, including Chinese residents themselves. Another factor is probably the re-election in March of Xi Jinping to a third presidential term. Xi vowed to strengthen data security as part of his five-year plan, and the Chinese government especially does not like to backtrack from its promises at the start of a new term. However, the tighter regulations will do more harm than good to the Chinese economy. Already skeptical of the Chinese business environment due to its economic and financial issues, some foreign businesses will stay away or leave the country. The positive results of the Raimondo visit suggest the Chinese government recognizes the risks. Hardly a month ago, the regulation on data security appeared set in stone, so it is a breakthrough in itself that Beijing was willing to accept regular discussions with Washington. The Chinese central government has even said it is crucial that the country create a welcoming environment for foreign companies. China has not promised any changes, but it appears open to doing so. In return, China wants the U.S. to remove curbs on high-tech exports to the country, including advanced semiconductors, quantum computing and certain artificial intelligence capabilities. Attempting to downplay the U.S. restrictions, the Chinese foreign ministry said recently that soon China will not need U.S. investment at all. A surprising component in Huawei's new Mate 60 Pro smartphone is supposed to reinforce this argument, demonstrating that China is well on its way to catching up with the West in the manufacturing of cutting-edge semiconductors. 
The phone's main chip was manufactured on a 7 nanometer node by Semiconductor Manufacturing International Corp., China's largest domestic chipmaker. Though this does not take away from the achievement, SMIC has made a 7 nanometers chip before. One was fabricated last year for Bitcoin mining. More important, even assuming the company can produce 7 nanometers chips on a large scale, this would still place it about 5 years behind rivals like Apple. Additionally, SMIC's stock of deep ultraviolet lithography machines, necessary to produce relatively advanced chips, will begin to degrade soon, and U.S. export controls restrict the manufacturer's ability to provide parts and services. This may explain why Huawei has been less enthusiastic about the breakthrough than the Chinese foreign ministry. Besides technology, China's security focus threatens to limit its access to knowledge. With that in mind, China quietly revived its Thousand Talents plan, now under the name Kaiming, Bright Light, or Enlightenment, aimed at bringing in foreign high-tech talent. The program offers home buying subsidies and signing bonuses from 3 million to 5 million yuan, $410,000 to $680,000, to Western, especially American, scientists willing to move to China and help accelerate its technological development. The cities of Beijing and Shanghai are offering similar subsidies as well as residence permits, expedited visa processing and more in a bid to retain foreign talent. In addition to highlighting China's continued reliance on foreign expertise, the program's costs will draw from a shrinking pool of money for tech-related needs. The Communist Party only recently ended its years-long big tech crackdown, and there are other important economic sectors in need of funding. Relief probably needs to come in the form of dollar-based trade and investment, which requires improvement in U.S.-Chinese relations. Red Herring publicly acknowledging China's present weakness relative to the West would be embarrassment at best, and dangerous for Xi at worst. So Beijing is trying to distract nationalists and critics with a new round of territorial spats with China's neighbors. In August, the government published a new version of its national map that asserts Chinese sovereignty over disputed territories in the South China Sea including areas that an international tribunal ruled in 2016 belonged to the Philippines, as well as the Indian state of Arunachal Pradesh and the disputed Aksai Chin Plateau. The Philippines, India, Taiwan, Malaysia and Vietnam objected to the new claims. In addition to diverting domestic attention away from its internal problems, the map reminds smaller countries in the Indo-Pacific that China still holds substantial influence. Yet, China has lost some of its clout in the region and Beijing has little interest in provoking a real conflict with any of the aggrieved parties. Instead, Chinese and Indian negotiators are discussing ways to de-escalate their border dispute, and from time to time China hints at possible maritime cooperation with the Philippines. New Delhi's relations with Washington have improved considerably, and Manila is now an active member of the U.S.-led Pacific Network to contain China. If China wants to improve its ties with the U.S., Therefore, a normalization of relations with India and the Philippines would be a good first step.